Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Welcome to episode 13 of the Plant Witch Podcast. This will be the last in this series of exploring the human body and the ecosystem of the body. I may come back to this at another time in future podcasts, but this will be the last one for this season. Today we're talking about Ruach, the Hebrew word for breath, one of the three parts of an awakened human soul, according to the teachings of Kabbalah. The movement of the animating spirit into the matter of the body, this ethereal quality of air and wind and spirit that animates and connects all things to the divine in spiritu, root of the word inspire, inspiration, to breathe in, to be uplifted. To breathe is to bring balance, to bring the spirit and matter together the subtle, light, uplifting, divine qualities of air fill and enliven the dense, sensual form of matter. The inhale, the exhale. Oxygen comes into the body. Carbon dioxide and other wastes leave the body. We inhale the exhales of the plant world. The plant world inhales the exhales of the animal world. We are breathing into and sustaining each other to keep life in balance. In the elder Futhark runes, Gabo is the letter X and symbolizes this gift of inhaling the exhale and exhaling the inhale. The whole of the physical world depends on this gift economy. The plants produce fruit, which feeds birds who distribute their seeds, ensuring the continuance of the genetic line of the fruit-bearing plant. The ruminant herbivores eat the grasses and deposit their rich fecal material which nourishes the health of the soil, leading to healthier growth in the time between grazings. The trade winds blow dust from the African Sahara Desert across the Atlantic Ocean to be deposited in South America to mineralize the soils of the rainforest. All of life is inhaling the exhale of something else, and the world goes round. In the human ecosystem, this exchange is accomplished by the multi-lobed air sacs that we call the lungs. The nose and mouth join in the back of the throat at the pharynx, and then this united tube becomes the larynx and then the trachea. The trachea carries oxygen to the lungs. The right lung has an upper, middle, and lower lobe. The left lung has an upper lobe 
and a lower lobe. The heart sits in the left chest where the middle lobe would be. The lung has a protective membrane encasing it called the pleural membrane, P-L-E-U-R-A-L, pleural membrane. The area between the pleural membrane, that coating, that sort of um, cling wrap all around the lungs, and the lung tissue itself, that space in between, the pleural space, has about a half ounce of fluid called pleural fluid that keeps the lung tissue moist and decreases friction as the lungs expand and contract with each breath that keeps the pleural membrane gliding over the lung tissue. If this fluid dries up, friction increases. With every inhale and exhale, the pleural membrane isn't able to glide, it starts to rub. And this is called pleuritis or pleurisy. It causes sharp pains with every breath. If there's too much fluid between the lung tissue and the pleural membrane, this is called a pleural effusion. And it can cause feelings of shortness of breath, um, decreased oxygen levels. Within the lobes of the lungs, the trachea breaks off into tubes called the bronchioles. The main bronchus splits like the branches of a tree into smaller bronchioles. At the end of these smaller twig-like bronchioles are clusters of air sacs that look a lot like grapes. These air sacs are called alveoli. Within each alveoli or alveolus, there are many blood vessels that exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide. Within the bronchioles and the bronchi, there are goblet cells that secrete mucus to keep the lung tissue moist. If these cells produce too much mucus, we get congested, a congested cough. This is part of the body's defense against pathogens, to wash them out with mucus, to trap them and then cough them out. If the body gets inflamed from fever, from fever or the inflammatory process that goes along with illness, this mucus secretion that should be carrying the virus out or the bacteria out can actually cook down and thicken, leading to impaired airflow within the lungs themselves. Tenacious, thick secretions that are blocking clusters of alveoli can lead to pneumonia. This is one of the ways that people get very sick with coronavirus and other respiratory illnesses. The secretions become thick, blocking the airways. Inflammation can also cause airways to spasm and close off. This is the mechanism behind reactive airway disease, otherwise known as asthma. Keeping the air moist so that secretions stay thin, as well as remaining hydrated, can help prevent pneumonia from forming. There's also chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is when the alveoli sort of burst, and instead of many small alveoli, you get these large sacs, these bulbae sacs, um, which has less surface area for exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide. And it also traps air on the exhale so that the old stale air isn't re releasing from the lungs as easily. 
and it sort of holds the stale air, diminishing oxygen absorption. People with carbon, people with COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease accumulate carbon dioxide in their body um, and they can become acidic in their blood over time. Their tolerance for low oxygen and high acidity um, is much higher than a person with a healthy cardiovascular and respiratory system because they're used to functioning in that pathology. Um, but at some point that, that balance can no longer be struck and uh, that's when they get into the end stages of that disease. The rate and depth of breath is directly connected to our nervous system. Our breathing is involuntary and governed by the brain stem but unlike most functions of the body governed by the automatic brainstem regulation, we have conscious control over our breath when we choose to. We have the ability to change the quality, the rate, and the depth of our breathing at will. Taking deep and slow breaths has been shown to stimulate the vagus nerve, helping to regulate the sympathetic nervous system and decrease feelings of anxiety and stress. The deep breathing that accompanies singing and heart Singing and hearty laughter, as well as aerobic exercise, have a similar effect. In fact, the longer the exhale, the more the vag vagus nerve is affected. So when we take shorter inhales and longer exhales, this really helps to regulate the stress response and to induce a sense of relaxation. Controlling the breath is a sort of hack into the neurochemistry of the brain. Yogis and meditators have been experimenting with breath control for thousands of years. Inhaling through the right nostril is stimulating to the cardiovascular system and tends to activate the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response. Inhaling through the left nostril encourages activation of the parasympathetic nervous system, our imagination, our sense of relaxation. The science of breathing in yoga is called pranayama and a specific form of pranayama that balances the right and left nostril breathing is called Nadi Shodhana, N-A-D-I-S-H-O-D-H-A-N-A, -A -A, Nadi Shodhana. In this form of pranayama, we inhale through the right nostril, then we close the right nostril with our thumb or finger and exhale through the left nostril. Keeping the left nostril open, we inhale through the left, then occlude the left nostril with our thumb or finger and exhale through the right. Inhale through the right, occlude that right nostril, exhale through the left. And we just keep going back and forth for several minutes at a time. This balances the left and right hemispheres of the brain, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems and it sort of resets the respiratory apparatus and the brain. You can find videos on YouTube to instruct you further on Nadi Shodhana. It's also called sun moon breath in some yogic traditions. Another yogic pranayama is Kapalabhati or shining skull breath. This is a rapid ventilation coming from the diaphragm which hyperoxygenates the blood and helps to stimulate detoxification of the liver and lymphatic tissues in the intestinal mesentery. So when we do shining skull breath or Kapalabhati, um, we get really clear thinking, it energizes the blood, 
Um, people do it to kind of hype themselves up before something really important. And again, you can find YouTube videos to help you um, access the teachings of Kapalabhati breath. The facial structure and sinus cavity of the human has drastically shifted over the past few hundred years. Um, our sinus passages have become much narrower and our jaws have retracted back toward our neck, um, making our teeth crowded, cramping our tongues. This change in the formation of our faces has led to sinus infections, allergies, snoring, sleep apnea, and many other issues. For a full discussion on these anatomical changes to our bodies and ways that we can retrain ourselves to breathe well and fully through our noses, um, a lot of these changes have caused us to breathe through our mouths, which has been shown to rapidly deteriorate our health and our thinking. You can check out the book Breath by James Nestor, N-E-S-T-O-R. Um, he really talks about the whole um, physiology of breathing, the, the pathological changes to the face structure, um, ancient civilizations, and how they um, address the breath. It's really um, a really well-researched book. In traditional Chinese medicine, the lungs are the home of our grief. Whenever we are struggling to be with or process our grief, we can manifest symptoms in the lung tissues. As the world around us falls into chaos from pollution and climate change and endless war and species loss, we cannot avoid our grief. And in this time of such unavoidable and mounting grief, we are also faced with a deadly global respiratory pandemic. Perhaps there's more to this connection than what initially meets the eye. In previous podcasts, I've mentioned the work of Martin Prechtel, the shaman of the Sutuhil people. In his books and lectures, he talks about the Sutuhil word for shaman being the word weeper in their language. Those who walk between the worlds and who can touch their grief, who can weep and keen and rage and allow energy to move through them into states of consciousness beyond the ordinary, these are the shamanic world walkers. This grief that we hold in our lungs, the place where the spirit animates the clay of the body, this place is the, where the gift of life is given, and it is a doorway to cosmic consciousness. This is a key to our magic. The seat of our power is in the raw energy of our emotions. When our emotions hijack us and climb into the driver's seat, we're not empowered to create magic. But when these emotions are met with centered, calm, healthy breath, allowed to rise and move and then harnessed for our will, true magic is possible. In 2009, I participated in a week-long retreat with Stanislav Grof and Jack Kornfield. We worked with the breath in a practice that Stan Grof and his wife Christina had developed called holotropic breathwork. This came out of Stan's um, many years of research with psychedelic drugs um, and also with the ancient vision ceremonies of many indigenous people. He found this way of altering consciousness at will with the breath when the LSD he had been working with became illegal to use. Along with Stan's practice of holotropic breathwork, we also worked with the Buddhist practice of Vipassana meditation um, that Jack Kornfield taught us. 
this gave us a container to hold our experiences in holotropic breathwork sessions. On the first day of our retreat, we set an intention, um, each of us individually. That first day, my intention was to find and hold on to a sense of peace. But after I observed my first breathwork session, my intention changed. And more than peace, I wanted freedom. What I watched people experience in that first breathwork session was like nothing I had ever seen before. And I wanted to feel that kind of freedom. More than 10 years later, I'm still finding ways to experience the kind of freedom I saw and felt in that breathwork session. But now I'm working to integrate freedom and deep peace that comes from trusting all of the ways that I experience life. In that first breathwork session, people growled, they panted, they clawed. I watched Dr. Groff in his 70s at the time, late 70s, I'm guessing he was about 78 at the time, wrestle with a 40-something-year-old psychotherapist on the mat as she writhed and screamed and moved years of trauma out of her body. The catharsis and release of the participants was wildly freeing to witness and to later experience when I got my turn to breathe on the mat. As I lay on the mat, hyperventilating to the tune of loud techno and throat singing, I got into a rhythm and I felt my mind begin to shift. My consciousness became expansive. I shape-shifted. I was a heron flying over my kitchen window at home, seeing myself washing dishes. Then I was a tree and I felt the ecstasy of dropping my leaves and feeling their warmth and cushioning, holding me in my roots all through the winter, drinking in their nourishment in the spring thaw. I was the moon holding the earth in an endless embrace of love and care, pulling the waters to me with my longing. I was the sun and I was the sun at the center of every atom of existence. I understood the holographic nature of existence. I saw Indra's net. It all made sense. I kept muttering, of course, of course, like I had only briefly forgotten incredible truths that were as obvious at that moment as the five fingers on my hand. The plants are intimately involved in our breathing. As they exhale oxygen, humidify, and purify the air, as they secrete their volatile oils, their pheromones, and pollens into the air, they impact our physiology in so many ways, more ways than we can understand. Our lungs are physiologically similar to trees and to all other plants and fungi. The way they branch, our lungs have branching bronchioles. The way they fruit, our lungs have fruit-like alveoli. Many plants have an affinity for our respiratory tract. One of the most famous in my bioregion is mullen or verbascum thapsis. Mullen is a biennially flowering plant. That means it grows a flower spike the second year of growth. The leaves are large and soft. They grow in a radius, like a circle out of a basal rosette. So they grow, grow close to the ground. But in that second year, when they grow their flower stalk, they grow um, leaves off of the flower stalk as well. 
They're found on roadsides all over the bioregion where I live in the northeastern United States, but they're native to Europe and North Africa. I was taught that mullein holds the vibration of the blueprint of healthy lung tissue. So drinking mullein infusion or tea reminds the lung tissue of the vibration of health and wholeness and helps the tissue to vibrate at that frequency. Another plant known to have effects on the respiratory system is Lobelia inflata. It's been used for hundreds of years to help relax the bronchioles and asthma attacks. Lobelia does have toxic constituents, so dosage is very important to use this herb safely. It's also an herb that you want to get to know well before you need it so that you know how it works in your body, what dose is the right dose, and um, how to know when it's not working for you if you need another remedy or, or more help. Asthma attacks can be fatal, so we have to be really respectful of the body's needs during those times. Aromatic herbs like thyme, oregano, basil, lavender, peppermint, and others can also be really helpful in opening the airways and relaxing the lung tissues. These herbs can be used as steams as well as being drunk as teas to help ease our respiratory system. So as we circle back around to the balance of gabo, that, that rune, the X, to enter the balance of the breath, I can't end this episode without mentioning Robin Wall Kimmerer and her teachings on the gift economy. Dr. Kimmerer is a botanist, an ecologist, and a citizen of the Potawatomi Nation in Oklahoma, who were originally from the Great Lakes region. She writes extensively about the connection between humans and plants and the interconnection of all life in her book called Braiding Sweetgrass. Dr. Kimmerer shows us through stories and teachings how reciprocity and the gift economy of nature is really the basis for all life on this planet. I highly recommend her book and any interviews you can find with her. So as I said in the beginning, this is the last of our episodes in this series of body systems. Um, I'm being called to other topics in the coming weeks, but thank you for going into these deep explorations with me. It's such a great joy of mine to um, marvel at the way that our bodies are made um, and how those bodies are just designed to be connected to the body of the earth in ways that just instill awe and wonder and reverence in my heart every time I take the time to really um, receive the magic that exists as part of every moment that we spend alive on this planet. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook at The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.